and welcome back to American Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. You know, if you're watching on Facebook Live, I realize, first of all, hi, thank you for watching on Facebook Live. I want to mention on that that the reason we cut off um, after every segment is because it's just otherwise, I'd just be sitting here and you're listening to four minutes of commercials. That's the only reason we cut it off, but we just figured it's easier to have it in segments. And then so do every time you're listening, Please come back. And um, after four minutes, they're, they're great commercials. Love to have you. <laughs> but we need to, uh, we just want to make sure that what you're able to watch on Facebook Live is, is really uh, just what we're talking about tonight. So it's the top of the hour. And I normally do a cruise through the news, uh, which I am going to do in one moment. But I wanted to mention um, some things that we're doing, uh, I'm doing on my show. You know, this show is every Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. It's on in Dallas and Phoenix and Colorado Springs and any other Salem station in America is, could could pick it up or it's on satellite. They could pick it up off a of satellite. But we also put out in Facebook Live and we are sharing it in Facebook Live to lots of groups. So if you're watching this and you're enjoying what we're talking about, first of all, feel free to comment. I can try to, again, go back. I mentioned earlier, I try to um, on Facebook Live, see if I can read your comments while I'm talking. I sometimes can manage to do two things at once, so I could try that. Um, but second is, I encourage you to be in touch with me, because really this show is about a conversation about America. And you can reach, uh, reach out to me on Twitter, at Debbie Can We Talk. My radio-related email address is AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. The name of the show, AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. Love to have you do that. Also, I started a Wednesday podcast. It's Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And it's just, I say, it's call it Can We Talk More? And so, so yes, yes, we can talk more. I want to tell you two things I know I want to talk to you about this, this Wednesday because I can't fit them in the show tonight. One is this amazing long interview that was done by a woman, uh, her sister, was a woman named Kate, and I do not know the correct pronunciation of her last name, M-I-L-L-E-T-T. It is a Millet or a Malay, but uh, Kate Millet was one of the original founding American uh, feminists. She was a huge founder of the feminist movement, and she met uh, for a long time with people working in this feminist movement. And the sister, who's now telling the story... This Kate Molest kind of a feminist icon, the sister's telling the story of how what this group is really all about was profoundly Marxist, did not like the American system of freedom, and profoundly anti-family. I'm going to tease that to say that's what we'll talk about because sometimes, you know, even, I, I mean, I will say I'm a lawyer. I want women to have equal access to education, to careers. I want them treated fairly in the workplace. And But at the same time, so much of the feminist rhetoric is so ugly and, and undesirable and, and doesn't. So I, I, I kind of felt kind of validated by that. So I'm going to talk about that story for sure um, on um, our podcast on Wednesday. Can we talk more? And about how there's been a, a little bit of a backlash in these states that have now required Medicaid recipients to contribute $1 a year towards staying covered and they won't do it or don't do it. Just what it says about what our system has created. Um, and then there are a couple other stories. But uh, anyway, it's a great podcast on Wednesday. Hope you'll tune in. But on tonight's cruise to the news, I just want to hit a couple of stories. I always run out of time, but a couple of stories that really do matter. One relates to Venezuela. And you may have seen the images of what's happening now in Venezuela. We've talked about it before in the show. It is a it is a picture painted for you, for anyone who thinks maybe socialism is kind of okay. It's like about sharing. 
Socialism never works because it's ultimately and always ends up being about force and coercion. And Venezuela has dissolved to the point that people are starving. They are killing each other. They are mobbing trucks, carrying food supplies. And so the people are trying to flee out of Venezuela by the thousands on foot, carrying their children, their babies, just trying to get out of there. And the country of Colombia is lining up their forces at the at the border saying no. I mean, this is a refugee, a true refugee crisis caused entirely by socialism. And, you know, the, again, if you go to the website, americacanbetalk.org, you can see these images in one of the stories. But I, I raise this to say, I, I mean, uh, my heart goes out to every, these, these are these are human beings. They have no way to get food on the table for their children because they live under socialism. And this is the same system. Do not let the Democrats lie to you about this. This is just Bernie Sanders on steroids. This is, and Bernie Sanders, he's just the Democrat who's honest enough to say he's a socialist. But what the Democrat Party is, where they derive their power, is the notion, we'll take other people's stuff and give it to you. That's, if you had to boil down the Democrat message, we'll take other people's stuff and give it to you, and so vote for us, we'll steal it from your, your neighbors. And that's what socialism really is. Misery in Venezuela, sad beyond belief. Okay, also as a comical thing in the American left, they just cannot help themselves regulating everything. California lawmakers are considering a ban on tackle football for children, for kids under, I think they age just 12 or 14, whoever it is, they have an age in there. But this is the government getting involved instead of parents the, the football coaches, the community, the league. This is the government of California who's sitting around debating whether they should ban tackle football. Honestly, I just feel like they, the Democrat Party mantra is just kind of, can we just control your whole life? Just surrender and we'll take over everything. Okay, so that's my cruise of the news. I have joining us in the next segment. She's here in the studio tonight, Lisa Luby Ryan. You recognize her as a past roundtable person here many times. She's now a candidate for Texas State House, and I'm going to make her tell you exactly why she's running. So, and if you're listening on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes, and uh, we'll be back right after the break. Thanks for listening. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Okay, welcome back to America Can We Talk. As sometimes happens in the studio, I'm trying to maneuver Facebook Live. Hi, my friend Lisa Libby Ryan's here, and in photo booth, we're here. Um, so, welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I've missed being here. Isn't that a blast? I cannot believe how much I love radio. It is like my new best friend. Okay, but on a serious note, I invite Lisa Libby Ryan in because. She has wears many hats, but one hat at this point in time is that she's actually running for Texas State House to be a representative of the Texas State Legislature. And here in the great state of Texas, they only meet every other year. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so they can't pass that many laws. But anyway, um, I was very curious how it's going. So I want to start with it because our listeners, obviously, in Dallas may know you, and but others, other places not. So what's basically, tell me your, your political activism background. Well, first of all, I'm a business owner. I've been a business owner in Dallas of 30 years. I own four businesses. I have, um, I'm a mom, which qu- gets up 
large qualification for this job. I've raised two boys. But I've also been very involved in the community, served on lots of different boards, lots of um, um, chaired lots of charities, lots of events. But I've also been involved in the Republican Party for over 20 years, not only on a local but a state and national level. Um, was president of the Park City's Republican Women for two years. And it became one of the largest um, women's club in the state of Texas when I was president. And just love championing women and getting them involved in politics and champion behind our platform and what we believe in. It's um, So I've worked on everybody else's campaign for the last 20 years. Sing it to me, mine. sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I'm having a blast. I love the process. I, I'm I, I'm glad you do. I was going to say something like, why would a nice person like you run for office? But on a serious note, I know you've been a leader. You've spoken out on many issues. And we have actually worked together on campaigns over the years, more than a few. Yeah. So what is it like? What specifically prompted you to run for Texas State House? Like, what, what are the issues that drive you? You know what? First of all, let me just answer. I've lived the American dream. I love what I've been able to accomplish since I've been in Dallas for almost 35 years. And... To much is given, much is required. And I truly feel like this is my way of setting aside my businesses and giving back to my community, giving back to my state, and really, really wanting to serve um, the people of the great state of Texas in House District 114. So it's a giving back thing. And, you know, that's a funny thing I have to say. The expression people talk about servant leader, or I should say it the other way, sometimes you run into candidates who seem so self-important, and they're kind of like, their attitude is, wow, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, you're de- uh, you know, I just can't wait to be in power. And I've never felt that about you. It, it, that, that, that servant leader idea is, I want to serve the people, which is a huge, it's, it's like 180 degrees opposite of what some people think. It's totally opposite. And, and this is what I, I've knocked on Debbie at 3,000 doors. I've given my business card to, with my personal mobile number, to over 3,000 households because I want to be accessible. I'm not interested in politics. I know where our country is because of politicians that have been there too long. I want to go. I don't, I'm not interested in being someone's politician. I'm interested in being their representative. I want to be accessible to them. But I truly, truly want to serve and think I can take my leadership skills down. I think I've, um, you know what's interesting is some of my largest donors are my clients. They are the ones that know who I am. They know I'm a woman of my word, and I do what I say I'm going to do when I'm going to do it. And that's been very exciting. Well, you know, you mentioned door knocking, which I have to say, I you know, I've had this conversation many times, I think, even on this show. But to me and my husband, if no one ever docked on our door the rest of our lives, we'd vote in every primary, we would always vote. But door knocking is an amazingly important thing and really what it is, I was thinking about it. It was like I was thinking back to, you know, founding of a country time. It's convincing your fellow citizen, I, I want you to know who I am, and I want your support, and I want to tell you who I am, and I want to hear your concerns. It's a, it's a person-to-person thing versus a standing up on a stage giving a speech. So are you enjoying door knocking? I love the door knocking. I love the retail side of the politics. <laughs> love that. And it is surprising who opens the door. And it's amazing how many people are home during the day and who work from home. But that's where I'm getting the pulse of what's important to people. Not only do they get to know me and why I want to do this and what do I want to accomplish, 
but they also tell me what's important to them. And I give them my card, and they have called me. But I love the door knocking part of it. It's the it's the meeting people part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I know you're a conservative. So you love the GOP primary, uh, the GOP platform. So I assume limited government, low taxes, keep regulation. That's kind of all the. Um, I, I mean, I, all the fundamental GOP primary things are are you already what you think. That's that, right. That's right. Yeah. But what I'm hearing at the door, and what people are concerned about are our property taxes. That is a huge issue. I like what um, Governor Abbott says about his policy and what he wants to, his platform on that. And I truly want to go down there and work with him on that. People want leadership and they want me to go down and send me down because they know I'll be effective because our current, my current opponent has not been effective on that issue. I will go down and be effective on um property taxes. I'm telling you, property taxes, that alone could drive me to vote for a state rep because it, it eats, it is the hardworking Americans who can afford to buy a, a home and the nicer home, the more you, you're just, you're, the taxes go up and up and up. Well, they've doubled. They've doubled in 10 years, 100% basically in 10 years. And, you know, I talked to the people that are home during the day. If they're not working out of their home, they're retirees. And the retirees are the ones that are on a set fixed income. They cannot afford property taxes. They cannot taxes afford property up. taxes, and so it's pricing them out of their homes that they've worked for forever. And I'll tell you another issue that is um, har- um, on the hearts of Americans is immigration in sanctuary cities. And I'll, I will fight all day long against sanctuary cities. You know, I'm all for immigration. I'm fourth-generation immigrant, you know, in my family, and but I want— um, immigrants to have a front door experience, Debbie. I don't want them to have a back door That's experience. That's a great, I like that, a front door experience. Well, Texas has a big sanctuary city. It's amazing. If you're listening in Colorado or, or Phoenix, you're probably thinking, Texas is so conservative. You don't have sanctuary cities, but we do. We do. We do. And you know what? It's all tied up in the courts right now. But um, on my watch, if I get to represent the people of HD 114, which affects all Texans how we vote. Sure. I will be an advocate and go down there and be a loud voice against sanctuary cities. Boy, unlike your opponent, I just like to say. Okay, that's so, right. Speaking unlike of your my opponent, opponent he... well, I do want to ask you, like in fundraising. I know you had a, a huge record fundraising thing, but do you know, like, where your money comes from? Who's giving to you? So, great question. What's amazing is I didn't announce until November twenty first, and in five weeks with. Christmas in those five weeks and Thanksgiving, I got on the phone and I called my sphere of influence. I called the people that I knew the most, that knew my heart and what my desire was. And I've been involved in this for a long time. And I, I'm no more than the average Joe about politics and what's right. And so I picked up the phone and called my sphere of influence without a fundraiser. Debbie, this is going to be so exciting. I had 333 people give me money. And this isn't big money. These are the young trim carpenters, my framers, my suppliers, my clients, people that work with me in business every day that have given me money. And you know what's interesting about that? Of all the money I raised, I raised more second more than most than any other candidate on a state or federal level in the state of Texas with only two packs. My opponent, on the other hand, got um, donations from only 75 individuals and 
57 PACs, special interest groups. So that tells you I'm going to work for the people and not special interest groups. Those are big numbers. Those Those are are big numbers. You know, we only have less than a minute left, but, you know, there's something about, I think I'm just going to say it, there's something about the argument many incumbents make. Once they've gotten to Washington or Austin, they're saying, well, I know everything, and my incumbent, my opponent doesn't know a thing. Look how smart I am in policy. I'd rather have someone who I know their heart, their integrity, their honesty, and I know that if they don't know the issue, they'll know the right person to ask than someone who could recite chapter and verse of the franchise tax, you know, uh, possible uh, amendments, but I don't trust their heart. That's right. And I will work tirelessly and with great integrity, not to only represent the constituents of HD 114, but all Texans. Okay, and they you- have my mobile number to call me and hold me accountable if I don't. What's your website? LisaLubyRyan.org. And also follow me on Twitter, Lisa Luby Ryan, and I have Facebook, Lisa Luby Ryan, as well. Great. Lisa, thank you for coming to the studio. That was so great you did that. And I must tell you, folks, this is one of the reasons we talk about why things can't change in Washington or Austin. It's because the same old folks go back over and over and over and over, and they don't want to change. Lisa, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Debbie. It's always so much fun to see you. Coming up after the break, we have Jude Eden, who's going to tell us the Marines, an amazing story about the Marines. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, I have to tell you, I enjoy talking to Lisa Luby Ryan in studio. Um, she's working very hard in this campaign, and you, know, you never know how it will come out. But, you know, when you're willing to knock on doors and tell people who you are, and you're not running because you're famous, you're not running because you're, um, you know, just, just think you're the, the you know, most important person around, but you're, you're talking to people one-to-one, face-to-face. I just think it says a lot. So anyway, that's her campaign, and um, Lisa Luby Ryan, and you can look her up, as she told you, online. So in this segment, changing the subject yet again, um, but I, I'm so glad that I was able to connect today uh, with someone who's been on the show before, Jude Eden, and I looked back. She was on the show in November of, I think it was November of last year, talking about Bo Bergdahl. And so today, though, well, first of all, quickly introduce her. Uh, she has a blog called politicalanimalblog.com. Uh, she is a former, she is a Marine. Now, I should say former Marine. She is a Marine. And uh, she's a writer, a cello player, a variety of interests. Um, but she also served um, at enlistment in 2004 to 2008. Um, in the Marines, stationed at Camp Lejeune, she was deployed with her unit to support Camp Fallujah's computer Camp Fallujah um, computer communications for eight months, two thousand five, two thousand six. You know, she's a big supporter of the military, and she's also has firsthand experience in in what the Marines are really like on the inside. We've talked before about the social experimentation that's gone on in the media. I mean, in the military. So now, I believe we have Jude Eden online. Hi, Jude. Hi, thanks for having me again, Debbie. <laughs> oh, glad to have you on. So the reason we connected today, we just set this up today, but the reason we talked is because there was a story out about the Marines um, that they had decided and issued a statement saying that the combat endurance test 
would no longer be required for infantry officers. The, the combat endurance test wouldn't be required. And I don't know whether it was related, but it was pointed out in one of the stories that uh, it was very hard for women to pass this test. So I want to have our friend, my friend Jude Eden, on to say, what's going on with that? Is that something that we should look at as a politically correct decision or maybe just a normal adjustment? What's your read on this? Oh, it has everything to do with the fact that almost no women have been able to pass that test. And now it's not that they're getting rid of it completely. They're just it used to be a requirement. And it was one of the first things that Marine uh, Marine officers going through the infantry officer course to try to become infantry officers. That It was pass fail. So if they failed the, co- the combat endurance test, they couldn't go any further. Uh, it was a very effective test uh, to to weed out. Uh, those who were, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot, there's endurance, there's physical strength, of course, but it's also about your mental acuity, your ability to deal with dangerous situations and respond uh, and show leadership because, uh, you know, the Marine officer's motto is uh, ductus exemplo, leadership by example. Our, our Marine Corps uh, infantry officers, they go first. They don't say, you're going to go do this. They say, follow me. You know, we're, we're, going, we're going to do this. And um, this change, which the Marine Corps Times uh, tried to say was uh, a, quote, unquote, slight change, it's a major change. If all of a sudden this thing that you are required to pass to even continue on the infantry officer course, if suddenly it doesn't matter if you pass or fail, uh, then that is a huge change, and uh, this the this as a pass fail requirement has been in place for many years, uh, and it is it is very effective. Um, and one of the reasons that it's so hard is that um, you know for those who are leading men into ground combat, uh, that is the most uh, you know vicious arduous, grueling, bloody, violent things that you can do. It's, it's different from being a pilot in combat. It's different from being on a Navy ship. You know, it's different than any other kind of fighting, uh, fighting face-to-face on the ground. And when your weapon jams or your ammo runs out, you may need to kill your enemy face-to-face. Um, so having these kinds of – we have to make – Um, The training, you can't really replicate exactly the kind of fighting and difficulties that you're going to engage in in real combat. You have to do the best you can. The military has to do the best it can to try to come close to that in order to, that's how they kind of weed out who can hack it, who can't, who can hack it physically, but maybe doesn't have the right uh, mental acuity to, to do the right things under pressure uh, and, and so on. So this is a huge deal. And uh, there has been one woman now who uh, has passed uh, that, that combat endurance test um, before there were uh, 32 who tried, none of them could make it. None of them could even make it past the first two weeks. Um, and so, and there were a couple, I think, who may have made it through that test, but then they um, they couldn't make it past the rest. So 
this has been, uh, you know, the the left uh, and specifically feminists who are pushing for women in combat have been harping on this test because women can't make it. This is a standard thing that the feminists have done from the 70s onward. Every single time they want to open more jobs to women, they say, well, these standards uh, that parenthesis so many women can't make the way men can, uh, these are just irrelevant. They're not, uh, you know, operationally relevant or so on and so over. They're just there to keep women out. I mean, they have all sorts of excuses. But of course, if the myth that they tout that women can do anything infantrymen could do were at all true, then there would be no need to remove tests like this. There would be no need to reevaluate the standards as they said they were going to do once in 2013 when they first announced that they were going to um, open all the combat jobs to women. There would be no need to reevaluate standards if women could make men's standards so easily. But the, time and time again, they show us that they can't. Yeah, you know, uh, we could go in a lot of directions, but I want to go to something you wrote on your Political Animal blog, and this is an article captioned, What Happened to Combat Standards Won't Be Lowered? And in fact, it looks like it was published at Conservative Review. I love Conservative Review. Okay. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but you made this point about the Dempsey rule uh, apparently still being in effect. It was Joint Chief of Staff General Martin Dempsey um, during the 2013 announcement, 2013 announcement, that all combat jobs would be open to women essentially said... There's not you're not going they're not he's not going to change standards. The standards would be the same for men and women. So um I I I mean I, I'm wondering whether in a military that is now governed by President Trump, a more pro military, pro American, you know, just more conservative guy, why would this change come about now? That is a very good question and it's hard to tell. I mean, uh, you know, that this is First of all, the, our military is really all the people who are in charge are still the Obama holdovers. Good point. Like Anthony Curta uh, is is one of the top ones. He's a very uh, rapidly uh, pro LGBT, uh, and uh, you know, so unfortunately, like even though uh, Secretary of Defense is is James Mattis and he's a Marines Marine and everything, but, but his appointments have been pretty leftward and yep. uh, he doesn't seem to be cleaning house. And, you know, he, he's a great guy in a, in a lot of respects. And uh, I love him for a lot of reasons. I was very hopeful um, when he was appointed, but it's unclear to me whether he is just uh, people aren't really telling him where the problems are and that these are problems. I I cannot imagine that as a Marine Corps officer, he doesn't see that this is um, damaging to preparing our our infantry leaders. I mean, these are the ones that need the highest standards of all if they're going to survive, and let alone win. Yeah, we have like a minute left here, but I honestly always go so uh, by so fast talking with you, but when I was thinking about this today, it's not just that they would um, compromise the safety of the individual who couldn't pass this combat endurance test but still allow them to go forward, but really it seems like the entire unit would be that that person joined, if they never were able able to meet these standards, the entire unit would be in danger. We have 30 seconds. I'm sorry. Wouldn't the entire unit be in danger by that person's weakness? 
Absolutely, and it's going to be reflected in the fact that now everybody in those units where these graduating infantry officers are going to be placed in command, and people are going to know, well, you didn't have the same standards that the officers who came before you did, and and that they were lowered. And unfortunately, even though the women aren't responsible for the policy, they're the ones who are going to be resented for the change in policy because it was made on their behalf so they could participate. And that's a real shame. And, but it's it's gonna it's gonna cost lives. Whether we'll be able to see it, uh, you know, I expect that. As has happened before, they're just going to cover up any anything that doesn't look like success. Yep, um, folks, and, I got to tell you, go, you got to budget that out of. Sorry, to, to, I encourage you to go to her politicalanimal.com. Um, Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. Politicalanimalblog.com. And Judy, Eden, thank you so very much for calling in. Love talking to you. On August second, two thousand six. Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. And welcome back to, uh, gosh, the last segment of the show. It goes by so quickly every single week, fastest two hours of my week. And um, I loved it. It was kind of funny. The show that I did tonight was not what I thought I would do when I woke up this morning. Um, but anyway, I'm just uh, thrilled to have had Jude Eden join us. She's just a uh, very, she's an amazing person because she served the Marines. She went over to Fallujah. She served at checkpoints, frisking women for um, before they could pass a checkpoint, be sure they weren't you know, carrying, um, they weren't uh, going to commit suicide attacks or uh, carrying weapons of, um, that were hidden. And um, she's just a really great, accomplished woman and, and in so many ways, a poet, cellist, I mean, just a musical and artsy and yet a Marine. And she's been really good, a good voice for conservative values uh, because she's been pointing out over and over that, you know, this notion that women joining the military uh, is great. She's one. She loves it. She loved doing it, loves her country. But she's, you know, she's just factual to say women are not the same as men. Women in combat's a bad idea. Women in combat, and then lowering the standards to let women who want to pretend that they are the same as men uh, participate in combat. These are just things that it, it's not, I mean, you know, social experimentation, I guess, in college admissions or in, in other jobs, you could decide later, well, that didn't work so well. In the military, you're talking about lives threatened, lives ended by having any element in, the, in your unit, any person in the military less capable, not meeting the standard the military set to perform the job that they're supposed to be doing. So she's been just a fabulous voice for that. And she writes about all sorts of things. I really do encourage you to go to her Political Animal blog. Um, again, it's politicalanimalblog.com. She writes really well. She gets written up all sorts of places. And anyway, it's a great to have her on. So I want to wrap up the show tonight. You know, I have so many times that I... um have a lot of things to say that concern me about America. And I do have a lot of things to to say that concern me about America. But, you know, I come back to the reason I do this show 
is to speak up for the unique, precious, exceptional greatness of America. And that goodness and greatness and exceptional nature of America is evident in many, many, many things and many, and many uh, people and many things that happen in America. And I want to praise some of those. And I want to talk about this is kind of a goodness of America segment that I sometimes do. Number one, I was going to say that, you know, everyone or most of us listening fed our kids baby food. We fed our kids Gerber baby food. Well, the Gerber baby food company um, had a contest recently to get a new, you know, they have a picture of a baby on the jar of all their little baby foods. And so the Gerber baby food company um, put out a, you know, request or, or put out notice that they were accepting pictures of the new Gerber baby. Who'd be the new Gerber baby? And all these parents around the country, 140,000 of them to be exact, sent in pictures of their baby so their baby could maybe be the Gerber baby on the bottles coming out. What Gerber chose was a uh, the baby that Gerber chose is a young boy, an 18-month-old from Dalton, Georgia, named Lucas Warren. He's 18 months old, and he has Down syndrome. So when you look at him, you look at his picture, he is smiling, he's sparkly-eyed, he's happy, he's just you know, he and, and he's clearly if you look at his picture, you would be able to tell that he's not a typical child, that he has Down syndrome or some other, uh, you know, challenging situation. But the fact that Gerber chose his Down syndrome baby about Mel, I was afraid I would cry on air having to tell the story. But I'm just I think it's truly um, I don't even know what words to say, but just just so noble and good, because part of the reason that, that it's such a good thing is because, you know, we um, are, are always talking about the value of all human life, and we always, on the right, and conservatives are speaking up against Planned Parenthood and speaking up against the idea that you would, you know, choose to abort your child because he or she was not going to be perfect. Um, but this is kind of taking that to the next step, is increasing, normalizing, increasing the... the um, you know the the prevalence, the 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 being mixed in with our society as a whole, people who suffer from various challenges, including Down syndrome. This little kid is. They have a little video of him, video of him online. I think I saw. I don't know where I saw it, online somewhere, but you know he's happy. He's a playful kid. His parents were saying he's just you know happy, great baby. And I just I kind of I really wanted to commend Gerber for doing that, and it just kind of uh, inviting all of us more to see ourselves as a society as a whole. Um, that, um, that, and so the Gerber baby is a Down syndrome baby and he's a beautiful baby. Okay. Next story was, you know, we've talked many times in, in America while we have a, um, a question about whether Christians who own businesses should be able to decline to provide their service, uh, like baking a wedding cake or being, serving as a photographer, uh, at a same sex marriage wedding. And, you know, there are very sensitive, tender uh, views on both sides. I mean, there are people who are just saying, look, this is my marriage. And, you know, you're you're kind of saying I'm not worthy of marriage. You're saying something bad about me and it's personally hurtful. On the other hand, you have Christians who say and believe that marriage is an institution that is established by God and established in the Bible. And part of their Christian faith is they they will sell anything in their bakery or, you know, whatever kind of business it is to anyone, but to be able to be required to bake a cake or let's just stick with the bake a cake. That's the story is about bake a cake 
for a same-sex wedding where they believe that that is not that is that it violates their moral code, their their sense of what marriage is supposed to be according to their faith. Well, anyway, there was a court in California, and you might think I made that up, but actually, I mean it. A state court judge in California that ruled in favor of the baker in a recent case, basically saying that forcing a Christian baker to be to make a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding when this woman said that that viol- that the the same-sex marriage was inconsistent with her christian views constituted forcing her to make speech that she didn't believe in kind of like if i had to go to a rally and say i love hillary clinton i want her for president i couldn't be forced to do that because i don't like hillary clinton i don't want her to be president i couldn't be forced my first amendment rights include not just my right to speak but my right not to be forced to speak in a way that i don't agree with well, that's what this judge found, is that if you force this person, this baker, to make a cake for a same-sex wedding, and she finds that to be inconsistent with her um, her Christian values, you're forcing her to speak. You're forcing her to say what she doesn't believe in. So that case went in the favor of the baker, and there's ultimately, as you all know, I'm sure, a case that now has been argued before the United States Supreme Court called Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. And the basic issue is that, is that can a business owner decline to participate in a same-sex marriage, and meaning participate in by creating a cake for it or in some other way providing a service for it? And the reason I think, you know, I think these, these are such tender issues because I have uh, dearly loved family members uh, who, li- who uh, live a, you know, a, a, in a same-sex, long-term same-sex relationship. I love them. I support them. I, have, I understand their sensitivity on this issue. But I do think that we can arrive as Americans in our society at a place that allows respect for both. It, it allows the baker and other business owner to say, I don't. For my Christian values, I don't participate in a same-sex marriage, and and at the same time, we there's but you know you we don't um, we have gotten to the place our our Supreme Court has now said that marriage must include uh, people of same-sex marriages, so we can find a way to accommodate both. And I I was glad that a California court of all things came up with that. Okay. Another great thing about America, which I thought was really cool, my my husband actually mentioned the story to me because I wouldn't really read these kind of things. But Elon Musk, Elon Musk has launched his uh, rocket ship called his SpaceX rocket called Falcon Heavy. The name of it is Falcon Heavy, and launched it to the great. I mean, I, it was something like a million people went to watch it, um, and part of the payload inside this Falcon Heavy was Musk's one hundred thousand dollar cherry red Tesla Roadster sports car with a dummy driver in the driver's seat. But the reason this is such a cool thing about America, so the thing, the launch was a huge success. You know, they launched these rockets off. Launched this rocket off. It's got these booster rockets that are um, and are intended to be reusable. So instead of every time you launch a rocket, you have the entire thing is just, you know, the, lo- the, the booster rockets just fall to the earth and are destroyed, and then you have to have more. These are intended to be reusable rockets that return safely to earth. So of all astonishing things, because, and, and, you know, I, I'm not, a, I love technological advance. I think it's cool. It's fun to read about. I love people who think about those things. It's not my skill set. But I love it. But this, he was actually able, he and his team, this rocket launched up in the, in the, you know, into the atmosphere, and these rockets drop off. You know, that's their, what they're supposed to. Once they've helped launch them, they, they drop off. 
But what's the most amazing thing is two of the three were so well built and programmed and, and, you know, uh, controlled that they fell off of this rocket way the heck up in the air. I meant to look how high it was when they fell off. But they actually came back down to Earth, pinpoint landing exactly where they were supposed to land. I mean, that's kind of amazingly, breathtakingly techie, cool. Um, and so Elon Musk thing, very, very cool. And there's a lot of articles in praise of Elon Musk. I think we put that one up on our website, americacanwetalk.org. But just the idea, we can manage to do these things. I, I just love that. And then I'll tease, the last thing I'll say is, I mentioned to you that I'm going to do my podcast now, Can We Talk More, on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. And I'll embellish more on this story in the podcast this coming Wednesday, which is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day ahead of time. But um, there was a great article in Wall Street Journal, and it just had a lot of data in it that I really enjoyed. And partly it was because it's celebrating that despite all of our challenges and controversy and differences in policies and differences in how we view things and, and the political tension in America and political fights in America, the truth is Western civilization enlightenment has done amazingly well for so many people. These, this article was essentially measuring the well-being of America and the world. All these things I'm about to mention are moving in the right direction statistically. Homicide rates down, poverty rates down, number of nuclear weapons down, number of wars down, number of democracies in the world up. Number of oil spills down, life expectancy up, safety in autos and planes um, up. So I leave on a positive note, leave the show for this week to say many things are good about America and the world. And all it really ever takes is people committed to fighting for the right ideas, which is why I do this show. And come back next week, Sundays at 6, Debbie George Addis, America Can We Talk. George Addis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk truth about America.